Alcohol Beyond This Point Podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast. And on that note, let's begin. Tyler, the name that is yours, and Willow's the name that is mine. The episode that is 104 of the podcast that is Alcohol Beyond This Point Podcast. That sounded like a alien that was trying to speak like a human. You did great, yep. Thanks, I really appreciate that. I love the new voice AIs. <laughs> where they oh, have like d- I Musk, that the, Musk playing, playing Minecraft, Minecraft against uh, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, and and uh, Joe Rogan, and uh, and the Joker, <laughs> yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, yeah. I sent him this video of uh, AI just replicating people's voices. So yeah. it's like Joe Rogan being like, "I'm a dwarf and I'm mining. That's what I do." <laughs> and then it's like the Joker finds diamonds and he's like, "I'm gonna mine the diamonds." He's like, "No." Don't mind the diamonds. And then Jordan Peterson's like, it's my server. <laughs> like, I'll let it. And it's just, it's so perfect, right? Because they yeah. just, they just know. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of great comedy that comes out of this shit. Dude, and it's like, spider on the wall over there. And it's like. Oh, nice boy. How can you, like, all you have to do is take that AI voice, put it through some fucking multipass filters, add some static, and then claim it's a hot mic. Right. Right? Like, I don't know how anyone can believe anything anymore. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned this in the last video, but the there's another, like, video type AI that I think is going to be... Well, I, I think it's actually multiple um, different ones combined. One of them is like an audio. Another one is... Um, it can basically cr- uh, remake a movie okay. in a different language. Okay. So you run it through this system, and instead of like just overdubbing audio, it actually changes the face, so it retains the actor's voice and like inflections and tone. Oh, but change, just, changes oh, that's the cool. language, and then also changes their lips to match the actual language that they're speaking. So the overdub is seamless. Yeah, yeah. So that's you can't super tell. cool. That's yeah. really cool. So you only have to make a movie in one language, yeah. and you don't have the fucking overdubs and subtitles. Imagine if that, like, just that, that changes fucking movies. Like, if movies can be seamlessly shown in every language across the world. Yeah. Because I, I think that, that puts a lot of people off watching foreign films. They don't want to well, read just, the subtitles. And exactly, stuff. and some people just can't fucking read that well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's incredible, because there's, like, a lot of amazing movies that I really like to watch, like... um watched like a lot of european movies like there's been like some really great like dutch horror movies and random things like that and it's just the the subtitles and the overdubs never quite land as well as obviously the original actors yeah of course i would never watch a dubbed movie i always watch with subtitles like i I watch a fair amount of foreign films and um yeah watch yeah with the with the original audio with subtitles yeah yeah of course and it's um it doesn't really bother me much um but i can read really quickly yeah. Um, but I could definitely see, like, I, I, I uh, follow me on Letterboxd, uh, Letterboxd slash Volt Willows, but um, I, I definitely read Letterboxd reviews where people are like, the acting looked fine to me, and then other people are like, this is shit acting because they speak the language. Right. Right? Because, like, if you were, if, you, if I was an actor and I was pronouncing things wrong and stuttering and shit over my words, you'd be like, this is shit. Right. But I have no context of, like, what even they're saying. So it's like it's hard for me to get like like if I if I sometimes you watch a movie and you're like this sounds like an actor reciting lines. Right. Right. But I listen to, you know, a South Korean film and I'm like, this doesn't sound like an actor reciting lines. This sounds like a language I don't understand. Yeah. Or even like understand the basis of. Right. 
So there's definitely been times where I'm like, the acting was pretty good. Like they were pretty emotive. And then like, I read the reviews for this movie and they're like, this was shit. They felt like they're fucking reading off a tel- teleprompter. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Interesting. So, yeah, that's mm. an interesting, um, the other AI tool I saw was, um, the, uh, it, uh, it's for like TikTok videos and it yeah. keeps your eyes looking at the camera yeah, so that you can read a script without, uh, breaking eye contact, Yeah, which I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. That's super cool. Or you know, if you're in university or something like that, like, um, like Carly's classes, she get, she, she can get dinged like marks and have to do extra work if she's seen to be not looking into the cat or looking at the screen or paying attention for the entirety of the class. And during a six hour lecture, that can be kind of hard. So if you like look off to the side too often, like they can just be like, okay, you owe me another essay just cause you looked away from the screen too long. School is a, is a, is a scam. Oh, certainly, yes. I will never rescind on that higher education is a fucking scam. Uh, it gets worse and worse the more I learn about it's, it. It's not without merits, but yes, you you go ahead with that yeah. assertion. <laughs> I, I will. That's fine. It won't hurt you none. So we survived our trip. Mm-mm. No, this isn't the real me. We're coming from you from the this, afterlife. This is my body double. So Tyler and I went on a, a little jaunt to the uh, east coast of Canada. Um, for all of you American listeners, which 85% of our audience is, it's uh, kind of north of the Maine area. Yes. Uh, very similar to Maine, as far as I know, with lobsters and rocks. Does Maine have rocks? I'm assuming so. I assume they have rocks. Um, so we went to a place called New Scotia. Um, that's what Nova Scotia stands for. Great. Or whatever. Where's the old one? Uh, in England, right? Scotia or France who cares who cares honestly and um it was uh it was fun I don't know you speak to you can speak to your experience but uh we had a lot of beers were had a lot of beers and uh but we we had some great lobster and oysters and prawns and scallops and fish and chips and um and did I mention beers and we basically did everything, every level. Like we did like touristy outdoor looking at artifacts and forts and stuff. Yeah. We did like touristy museums. Then we did like local small owned businesses like, um, like, uh, you know, a little pub or a little restaurant. We did fast food, not fast food, but like a donair place. Yeah. So like a, you know, like a take takeout restaurant. Um, we did nightclubs, we did house party, which was, we won't even talk about. Um, we met, we met a musician who signed, we made me buy, uh, made us buy (laughs) albums from her physical albums, like in the bar. And, uh, what took, I was hitting on her and she took my phone and just started streaming her own Spotify songs. So like, I respect the hustle. Yeah. Um, we met, uh, a bunch of. We met the we met an Irish guy named Paul, and the only other Irish guy I know in the world is also named Paul. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's Irish Paul. Um, but we went to like 30, 30 breweries or something, and um, yeah, it was really fun. In in three days, it wasn't thirty breweries. Um, I don't think they have that many. You know what it was? They do have that many. Number one, but uh, you know what I think it was? What I wrote down it was I had thirty different breweries beers. Oh. But we didn't go physically to 30 places. No, we definitely had at least 30 beers. Oh, we had way more than that. No, I, how many did we end up hitting? It was 
I wrote them between all like down. Eight. It was it was more than more than eight. Between, I would say between eight and fifteen. Less than fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we got everything on the menu every t- every place we went. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. We got like a flight. Like I'd be like, "Do you have flights?" They're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, how many beers do you have on tap right now? They're like, 17. I'm like, okay, how many flights fit into that? <laughs> like, yeah. And most of the places, if they had like an odd number, they just threw on the extra beer for free. Yeah. They were really good about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. We had a real... I, by the end of the day, I just like all the beer tasted the fucking same. <laughs> like, <laughs> or I mean, like I could taste the differences, but like, you know, I like put a beer down and I forget what it tastes like. Yeah. And uh, we met up with my friend that lives there and uh, he doesn't party that hard. He's a hard worker, unlike us. Hmm. And uh, we're at the, we meet him at a brewery, and uh, I, I order one of everything in his face. And then me and Tyler just start taking random beers, and we're sharing everything. And he's like, "We're just sharing all the beer." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Uh." He <laughs> so, was, wasn't real down for and it. He like barely drank anything because he was like, "This is weird." And I'm like, "I we could not do this if you don't." He's like, "No, do your thing, man." <laughs> so, but then he drove us up to some touristy stuff. Um, out right on the coast, there's like this famous. Uh, cove with this uh, lighthouse and everything so we went yeah. out there yeah, and it was gorgeous. literally fucking 150 kilometer winds it wasn't literally 150 it was probably like 60 but so i still which i think made it more fun honestly it was like that was a cool yeah authentic experience yeah very visceral experience yeah which was like i don't get a lot so um i and yeah we were there for like basically thursday to monday like travel Thursday, travel Monday, so Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday were like our full days there. So yeah, and I got to spend Monday evening in Ottawa, which was also cool. Yeah, because to save a hundred dollars, you took a seventeen-hour layover on the way back. Two hundred dollars. Okay, you spent more time not being at your job. Like you spent more mm. money not being at your job than you saved. Eh. <laughs> um, I don't think so. <laughs> either way, I think I had a pretty good time. I don't know about you. Yeah, it was a good time. I'm, I want to go back very soon and go and do outdoorsy stuff that's not just drinking for three days. That's 100% fair. Um, I want to go. They probably got amazing hiking there, mountain biking, camping. I don't think I would venture out on the water by myself, obviously, but yeah, swim in the fucking ocean. Enjoy the summer. I want to go back to enjoy the uh, the boardwalk in the summertime, the, uh, the beer gardens, the restaurants down there. It's phenomenal yeah, yeah it looked uh, looked really cool but everything was where uh, if you're listening from future land we uh, uh it's mid-february when we went so yeah. it's uh, a lot of the stuff on the ocean was closed for the season so we didn't get to see everything but uh it was uh it was a really good experience it was it was it makes me hyper aware of how unwalkable winnipeg is oh my god yeah. like so i want to talk briefly about this and then i have another topic as well but this uh 15 minute city thing right Do you see these protests that are happening I saw one post about it, and I thought it was a joke. So that's the one I sent, I think, that, yeah, had spelling errors. And I'm like, this has got to be a joke. Yeah. It's not, apparently. Great. So the COVID guys, the anti-COVID guys. I, or the, the, sorry, I figured that's who it was. Yeah, the anti-vaccination guys, because now, as of this year, like we're, we're Canada's not requiring vaccination for anything anymore. So uh, They've dumped the app. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's over with. So they have nothing to complain about. Uh, more specifically, though, the grifters, the leaders of these groups, don't have anyone to, don't have any reason for people to listen to them anymore. Right. So they're making this new thing up, which is these 15-minute cities, they call them, which, if you're not familiar, is the idea that every single basic need, no, ever not basic need, every single need that a human could want, 
would be within 15 minute walking distance of your home. Right. That's what a 15 minute city is. So many, many European cities are already 15 minute cities. But uh, part of, I guess, this um, Canada, I don't even know if we have an official thing about it, but I think like that's just something they want to strive for in Canada. Yeah, it's just generally good for well-being of humans. So our city is very not that. 15-minute drive, maybe. <laughs> not even, right? Like, we are super spread out here. And it's like, if you, like, when we were in Halifax just this weekend, we 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 went to, like, literally brewery, like, uh, brewery on the corner. Then beside it was a restaurant. Beside it was a Irish pub, sharing a wall with an English pub, sharing a wall with another brewery. Yeah. Like, literally. And, like, we would go in a place on, like, a Saturday night, and it was too busy. So we would just walk out, go to the next door. Yeah, and we were on foot basically the entire time, and we just walked around, and it was it was it was good, and almost everything was busy, and and yeah, and they're you know half the size of of the city that we live in, yeah, and the city that we live in, um, there's maybe like what three bars that are cool for a million people, if that, depending it, on which day of the week, and most of them are chains, <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I like someone I I said this to you like someone asked me. Because they were trying to show their friend around Winnipeg. They're like, hey, well, I was like, you drink a lot. Like, uh, what's, um, what's your favorite bars in Winnipeg? And I'm like, the two bars that I spend the most time at are both chains. Yeah. Like, obviously owned by a local, like, franchise person. But, like, I'm like, shit. So, I don't want to, like, recommend a chain. But I go to them because they're near my house or my office. And I, you know, they have local beer. And so, I like them. But I'm like, I'm not going to recommend a fucking chain restaurant to a person visiting, right? And most, so then I start thinking and, about... And for reference, most of the breweries here don't have restaurants. Yeah, there's only a couple breweries in the city, two, that have kitchens. And they're not close. And they're not close to each other at all. No. Or, or to where I live, right? So there's only... Yeah, So and then most of the other breweries just have like snacks or whatever, right? Yeah. So it's like, that's fine and dandy, but you need to go somewhere to eat at some point, right? So I was thinking about like what bars that are like locally owned and run that have like craft beer selection and food. And I could think of like three that I like and they're all downtown where there's no parking and it's sketchy. Right. Right. So it's like, I was like, shit. And then that was before this trip. And then we go on this trip and I'm like, Jesus, like there's just everything right where like, mm. like there was a couple places that we went where I'm like, I would be here every fucking day. If it was like down, if it was this close to my yeah. house, right? Yeah. Or if you, had, yeah, if you could possibly have like an office in a in a space like that, it would be like great for after after work stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that was. Um, but anyway, these these protesters or whatever are uh, protesting fifteen minute cities because they think you can't leave your fifteen minute zone. What? So that's that's the that's why they're protesting it. Is because they think that you draw a circle because like there was this map that they proposed of Winnipeg and divided it into 15 minute walkable zones. Right. And then somebody took this map. It was just like a, a, a map that like the city works had like, hey, look what we could do. Right. Right. And so someone took it and then said like RFID chip required to leave your zone. Duh. And like so you're stuck in your zone. You can't have a car. And then that's the that's the conspiracy now brilliant so um yeah so that's interesting so but like but so someone unironically posted a poster that said protest against walkable cities yeah which is just like what are we talking about <laughs> right 
Like, how could that possibly be bad? So, what do you th- what do you think about that? Like, what do you think? That is a kind of an oxymoron, but I would call that a brilliant level of idiocy. That is next. That's impressive, honestly. Uh, unsurprising, but impressive. I yeah. think, like, do I guess people think that because of COVID, none of the like rights and freedoms that are like in our constitution can be upheld anymore. I guess so. People believe that, which I mean, like COVID didn't like there's emergency powers that were implemented that limited, I guess you could say uh, freedom of movement, right? Yeah. To a degree. The argument was because they couldn't get on a plane, you were restricting our constitutional right for freedom of movement, but you were still allowed to go over provincial borders. No, there was restrictions on provincial borders for a bit, remember? Was there? Briefly. Did they, really? Did they stop you from going over the border? Yeah. I you needed vaguely fun. remember they have them having a checkpoint at the Ontario border now that you mention yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it was short yeah. short lived because it's like That's getting it's cool. extremely detrimental to your like society and economy if you do that. Yeah. Like it's you need you could go across but you needed like a reason. Yeah. Um Oh yeah, because we were supposed to be at home. Right. I, I think it was less of a can't go to the over the border. I think it was a more of why are you leaving your house? You're not supposed to. Oh, no. You know what? Now you're jogging my memory. A bunch of Manitobans have cabins in Ontario in Lake of the Woods. That was part. No, I was. They couldn't was, go to them. There was a. Between uh, even Manitoba and Saskatchewan, there was two. Because I remember. What was the Saskatchewan? Well, one of my. Uh, true. One of my friends was coming to Manitoba and, like, she needed, like, a work reason in order to come over. Okay. I do recall that. But it was. It, yeah, it was very brief and it was obviously, like, they. Would not have been able to hold that line for very long. Yeah. Like, if they tried to hold that for, like, two months, it's... I don't think the, the compliance would be there. Like, there yeah. would be a lot of fucking problems. There would be... I don't I don't think people would comply for very long, in short. Um, but freedom of movement is, like, aggressively enforced. Like, for example, um, you know, for you Americans, this... Uh, you know, suck on it. But I hopped on a plane this last weekend um, with nothing but... A driver's license, right? No passport, nothing required. That's familiar. And fucking weed in my backpack. Yeah. And they didn't even look at it. Yeah. Like, they didn't even, like... Like, it was easy to smell. It was, like, easy to tell that it was there. And they're, like, not even... Uh, didn't even take notice of it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you just fly around with weed in my bag. Yeah. And it's like... And also, I just need a driver's license. I don't, I don't need a passport. I don't need a visa. I don't need a reason. Yeah. And there's, like, nothing that... um can reasonably be done to prevent me from going anywhere. And also the fact that I didn't even need my ID to get into the airport. I only needed my ID to validate that I was the one that paid for the ticket. You need your ID to get in the airport in the States? I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, that's a part of freedom of movement, right? Sure, yeah. the, 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 The ID comes into play just for the sake of, did you pay for this ticket? Yeah, which is the same way, like, if I had a expensive event... I would make sure you had the ticket, right? Right. To go to the event, right? Like, so. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- there's no, they can't, the, the airlines can't really uh, restrict your movement and they're not really doing anything to do that. And it's like, that's, these are all things that people just kind of take for granted. And then it's like, that's a big thing. That's me jumping on a plane, flying from here to there with like drugs in my bag. Yeah. Um, you had liquor in your bag. Like, I had a all, knife. 
yeah, you got a knife, like all these things. And <laughs> so, like, you can fly around and it's no fucking problem. And they're like, but they're going to go from that to, full to 15 to minute 15, city, <laughs> 15 minute walking radius RFID. Like yeah. most people don't work within that radius. The yeah. economy would collapse well, on the first day. That's, I guess their criticism is that exactly that. Then you'd have to get a job within your foot. They're trying to own nothing and be happy. What is it? Yeah. Be, yeah. They're trying to get us to that. Okay. That's the conspiracy. Well, let me tell you, how awful well, would your life be if you didn't have to travel really far to work, travel really far to, like, if, if you didn't have to do any of those things and, like, everything that you ever needed was immediately available to you? If I got a pub down the block... That sounds kind of nice. a strip club the other down the block, then we're good. I mean, the only part of it that's not nice is, like, to be able to, like, go see new places and explore... Which is, but then I like, they just won't let you do what? Like I don't, I don't, I don't get not, how anyone not even, believes this. Not is even real. China does that. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody does that. No state can do that because no state would ever get away with it because the people would fucking revolt. But the um, like, there's not enough police. Well, that's what they. I guess that's what the the people are saying is that we need to stand up. We need to defund it. the police. Wait, <laughs> is that what they're saying? No, it, they're they're saying it. Just so, not directly. I also have a knife on my keys that yeah. I just keep for, um, like, just a little utility knife, like a four-inch knife. Not even, right? Uh, That's probably about four inches. Total open um, with a handle. Yeah. Blade, and I, blades like two. I just use it for cutting packages and opening shit. Like, v- fucking, you've worked with us, Zach and I, before, like, in production. Constantly, Zach's like, let me see your knife. <laughs> like, yeah. all the time. So I just have it in my pocket all the time, 24-7. Um, on the way, and they always look at it in the airport because it's a knife, obviously. But they have a little thing on the airport that says, um, it ha- it's just a little diagram of how long the knife can be. Yeah. And they put it up against it, and that's usually fine. On the way back, they didn't even look at it. Yeah. Both both flights, they didn't even take it out. Like, it's fine. No one gave a shit. <laughs> like on the way there, they they measured it and didn't give me a hassle. I remember on the way to Mexico, they gave me a fucking huge hassle. This woman's like. Must have been her first day, but she was just like waving it in my face, basically being like, you got a knife, you have a knife. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's under the limit. And I just kept repeating that. I'm like, yep, it's under the limit. Like it's under the limit. And then she gets her manager over. Manager looks at me. He's like, you have a knife. I'm like, it's under the limit. He takes it from her, puts it to the thing, looks at her. is like, it's under the limit. She looks at me. She's like, it's under the limit. I'm like, yes, I know. I've been telling you that for five minutes. And then they walk over to Tyler, who I'm traveling with, and open his bag, and fuzzy handcuffs pop out. At least they didn't find the other shit. Which were mine, to be fair. Um, because the, the knife and the fuzzy handcuffs are not related. related. <laughs> <laughs> he sends me a text on Valentine's Day in the morning in 2018. No, probably 2020, right? Being like, hey, um, can I borrow those handcuffs you have? Because... I know you're not going to use them on uh, Valentine's Day. I don't think you were that mean about it, but that's basically what you were implying. Oh, you was, were, no, I know you, you're you were not single gonna... at the time. Yeah, so I can't have a Valentine if I'm single? Tyler. Tyler. You would have you told me about it. For, <laughs> I would have been for bragging sure. about it for months. Especially if you were planning on using handcuffs. That is a fair point. So let's transition here on that note into, what are we thinking, Spicy Boy today? Oh, Spicy Boy. Today, we are, remember this is the last of it, we are transforming here into the segment that we call Shot Caller, the part of the show where you, the audience, can pick the shot that we take, 
Um, this shot is sponsored by Driftwood Brewery in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks, Driftwood, for sponsoring this episode. IPAs at a great price. Uh, we're also shooting spicy, old, smoky, fucking habanero, whatever. That's such a big shot. I overboard. I couldn't see with the light. That's like a solid gulp, gulp. I wonder if oh. we... Have... <clears throat> I'll pour a half one <laughs> when we take the second one. Um, So I want to talk about... Our one of our favorite topics, which is multi-level marketing schemes. Ooh. So there's this. Finally. I don't know if I should give them free clout. I guess I can now because they're closing their thing. Okay. So there's this multi-level marketing. I don't know marketing... if this is going to count as free clout. <laughs> <laughs> there's this multi-level marketing company called uh, Tiber River. And I didn't know they were based here, but apparently they're based here. Yeah. I thought they were bigger. Than... This, does this ever happen to you where you're like, Oh, there's 18 Salisbury houses in Winnipeg. It must be a good big chain. And then you get a little bit older and you're like, oh, no, there's none outside of Winnipeg. There's just 18 in Winnipeg, yeah. Um, that happens to me a few times where you're like, oh, yeah, that's local. I pick a pops, another one. Like, you're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, right. Pizza pops. Well, at least they have those other places, but those are made here. But anyway, so there's this uh, multi level marketing company, which um, Google that if you don't know. And if you Google it, you'll see the Wikipedia page. And you look at the Wikipedia page, and half the Wikipedia page is talking about how they're usually pyramid schemes. <laughs> right. So multi-level marketing is basically a pyramid scheme, but right on the right on the cusp of being legal. Right. So the people, the distributors, the employees of the company have to pay to work there, essentially. And then yes. they don't get a wage. They just get straight commissions for selling. Yeah. So if you do nothing, you're just paying monthly to the company to work there. Um, but if you don't, but, uh, the way they get around the law is that you buy products from them, even though it's technically a forced buying products from them. Technically that's not a membership fee. So technically it's not a pyramid scheme. Right. And the way that companies typically go foul of the law is what they, they force people to buy too much of products that they couldn't reasonably use yeah. personally. And they call that product loading. Yeah. So if you break the line of product loading, then uh, yeah, then usually you get smacked. And Tyler, I if have... you're successful and offensive enough, but usually <laughs> the government's pretty ineffective at cracking down on anything that's not like punching them in the face. Yeah. So uh, Tyler and I grew up with a lot of people that um, that did uh, MOMs, and uh, so we've been we've been very involved with with we know exactly these type of people and this culture and the companies and et cetera et cetera we're very we were very knowledgeable about the industry and uh so there's this local one that is going deciding to go um non-mom right they're deciding they're called tiber river and they sell soap or whatever spa products and they're deciding to go switch to retail so they have a store on River Heights, in River Heights on uh, Academy. Isn't it like an, don't they have like an actual spa as well? They might. Or two? They I think they've got, I think they have like actual spas too. So the reason why I'm talking about this is because my employee, Wyatt, who does markets, is friends with this girl that just got interviewed in like a expose about them, which, yeah. we, which we're about to get into. So this is fresh in my mind. So... They are go. They're like, hey, we're switching from being MOM. We're not gonna have distributors anymore. We're gonna go more legit. You would say maybe, 
Um, and that this is they're framing it as like a money saving thing. They're like, hey guys, recession, like we just we got to switch the business model to like online because most MLM companies <clears throat> spend roughly fifty percent of the revenue on commissions. Yeah, because Which, that's the model. Well, yeah, it also means you have massively inflated products. Typically. Costs. Yes. Like, like the price of products yeah. is like double of what normal products yeah. of the same caliber cost. Yeah. So they, most um, in most cases, yeah. So they're switching to non MLM, which is, um, is, is fine. I would say is probably good. However, comma, now they're deciding to not pay any of the commissions they owe to any of the reps for the final month for the final month or whatever. Or uh, I think, and they're not reimbursing for product, like they're like anything. No, because... no, they're reimbursing in twenty uh, percent higher than the money they owe coupons. in product credit. Yeah, in coupons. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like in like, like in store. You, instead of a paycheck, you're getting in store credit. Yeah. So the which is the, hilarious. Can so, you imagine getting in store credit for a company that just fucked you over? That's called a company store, where you can't spend your paycheck anywhere except the company, right? Yeah, based. So. The article that we... I think that, you need to take notes, Willis. <laughs> the article that um, my my employee sent me, who's, uh, they're interviewing this woman that he knows, the title of the article is like, I can't pay my rent with store credits for soap, <laughs> right? Yeah, I can't so, pay my rent with soap. Yeah, so this is... Um, Based. So well, what do you think about, like, how is this not a human labor violation, right? I mean, do salespeople actually do labor? Got him. First of all. Um, second of all, I think they were like, we would like to pay you, but we don't have any money. Yeah, so, but bullshit, right? Like, No, it's entirely possible. Like, I don't know. I've been on the inside of some, of some fucked up shit, and it's like the fact that they don't have enough money to pay commissions, entirely believable to me. Then, like, go under with grace, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, or you just grift everybody. Well, who's going to shop there now after this? Great question. It'll probably dry up like a fucking prune. Which, I mean, like, is that a testament to how effective MLM is? <laughs> I don't know. But, like, if they're genuinely good products and they got distributorship elsewhere, like, one of the things I just, like, even sitting here and listening to you is, like, with my experience in franchising, MLM is just franchising <laughs> with... Extra steps. <laughs> no, it, it's just, it's just a franchise without a big investment, with no money. It's like for people that don't have money, you can do that want a franchise. You can do an MLM. You know what? The, because it, a franchise is exactly like an MLM, except the only difference is, it's way bigger numbers. You know what the 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 and your action is actually doing the business, not recruiting actively. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is yeah. that the one of the biggest? Unless you have a master franchise agreement, in which you're just then we're talking. Then you have a downline. Then that's a whole thing. But <laughs> yeah. like the whole act of recruiting in the company, yeah. in any MLM, I'm not talking about Tiber River anymore. But any MLM, the whole emphasis is on recruiting. Yeah. Right. And you'll get more bonuses as you recruit more people under you. Right. That. So if you just wanted to be a commission salesperson for a company, I think that's called direct sales. That's different than MLM. That's fine. Right. I would say that's more of a reputable that that is that is a business model, I would say. Yeah, you have a craft and you sell shit. That's like, yeah. You can sell telecom contracts, but alarm you, contracts, whatever. You aren't going which is I think very reasonable for a lot of people. Yeah. Like people that don't want to start their own brand or aren't 
I mean, I was going to say aren't capable of starting their own brand, but I mean that in a nice way. Yeah. Okay. Like that you like a lot of people don't want to do what I do Yeah. and fucking start a brand from the ground up. It's hard. It's dumb. Don't do it. They just want to sell. They just want to sell and that's fine. But, but doing it as like a commission thing, you have a better, um, you can be your own boss still. Technically you can work right. your own hours, et cetera. Right. You can make but, as little, little money as you want. Yeah. But the em- emphasis on a lot of these MLM companies is on recruiting. And even if they don't say that, that it is true. Because they make more money from recruits that are unsuccessful in sales. Well, because 91% of recruits never make any money. Because, like, they also gamify the sales program because it's not just, like, you make a commission for every sale you make. No, they have, like, these complex compensation programs where it's, like, you need a left leg and a right leg. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you don't have the proper balance of left and right, then you don't actually make commissions. Yeah, you need to get this many points on each leg. And right, exactly. So you have these types of compensation systems like where they, like, talk about how it's the new greatest best compensation whatever thing that's ever been. You know what's invented. great compensation? Selling a product and getting money for it. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> awesome. Wow, fucking wild. <laughs> that's a new concept. You're probably a scam artist. Yeah, with that true. Kind of, with that kind of thinking. That true. sounds too good to be true. True. Uh, <laughs> they're gamifying this in such a way where you're just completely distracting people from the fact that you're doing work for no money, which well, is incredible. It's incredible. Well, because the, the people that so I... Then, so then your entire customer base just becomes people that are trying. And, and the people that I know that did MLM were very like it like i hung out like i lived in some of these houses these grind houses we called them right with all yeah. these kids like young 16 to 20 year olds and uh it was it was cultish yeah right and uh and honestly what i will say is the best shape of my life was in when i lived in one of these houses yeah. in the basement in in on river street you know um fascism is really good for your fitness that's the shirt of the week, guys. <laughs> Buy fascism that, is great for your fitness shirts on fascism uh, is great for your health. <laughs> um, yeah, because it was there like, weren't any fat Hitler youth. Because there's probably this was kind of before the whole Andrew Tate like mu- like masculine grifter. Like this was right. kind of before that. Like when we were in high school in the twenty. Oh, way before in the, yeah. in the in the t- like late two thousands. This is like this is Gary V time. This yeah, is early day, early days, Gary Vee and Grant Cardone. So it was less like the masculine kind of thing. So like, but a lot of it was like you got to work out because like healthy body, healthy mind, right, right thing, right. So like, I remember sleeping on a fucking couch in my buddy's house, and then getting up, we'd do like as many push-ups as you can do, as many sit-ups as you can do. We'd watch a six-minute cult video, and then go for a run in the park across the yeah. street. And then I'd bike to school. Like, like w- <laughs> just, uh, I just had this thought for the first time. Like, I'm just thinking about being like your neighbor. <laughs> and yeah. being like, there's like 11 people, 11 teens that live next door. And they just run at 645 in the morning. 638, baby. 638 in the yeah. morning in the park across the street. I'd be like. Oh no! <laughs> like, so, what are these kids up to? Like, maybe really suspicious. So I, I, I will also say that hanging out, like that, like hanging out when I, when my friend got into MLM, mm-hmm. that's what got me thinking about business. I was a straight anarchist before then. 
Right. Like where I like Zach and I, my business partner. And now you're going back there. <laughs> but I now now I have a plan. <laughs> but, but but you're back to being an anarchist. My business partner Zach and I were political protesters. We actually camped out in a tent when we were 15 years old, across uh, from the legislative buildings in Manitoba, and protested the government uh, as part of in solidarity with Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. And yeah, um, what a good time. And that was before. And then when I met. These people, or when my friend, one of my best friends growing up, uh, got involved in this MLM, and we started hanging out with those people, um, I was like, oh, I'm wasn't mad at rich people, I was mad at the government for rigging it, the system, right, so that they could become rich, right. But then you realize rich people are the ones that rigged the government. Well, yes <laughs> and no, though. Like I think, like especially now. Like, it's different. Like, it's not... I don't know. I, I think there's... You don't have... We don't have... I don't hate rich people. We don't have kings and lords anymore. We just have powerful merchants that own politicians. But then, I, I think we've also, like... It's it's easier than ever for somebody to make, like, a million dollars a year. Yeah, but a million dollars a year doesn't get you shit. Well, it gets you anything you want, basically. No, but get, it just doesn't own politicians for you. Right, no, what gets you... What I'm thinking is, like... This guy that I know that has not only enough money that he gets uh, presents every year from his airline and awards from foreign governments, but also has license plates that prevent local police and law enforcement from giving him any kind of ticket. Which you can be mad at that system right. that allows that, but I was like... And he's not an old guy. He didn't... Yeah. Like, I don't know if he started from scratch, but, like, who gives a fuck about your million dollars if you can just give the middle finger to a local cop but all, and then, like, get accolades from a foreign government? Like, yeah. that's that's getting to the bottom level of the level of people that control things. Yeah, I guess, like, what I, what I just realized, though, is that I didn't hate... And it's all semantics, right? Because yeah. I'm like, I thought I hated capitalism. Then I thought I, lo I loved capitalism. Now I'm like, oh, I hate capital. Like, it's all fucking semantics. Because I'm like, oh, capitalism is not the same as corporatism, right? Like, all this kind of... It's all fucking semantics. The word... The, the, yeah, the, the labels and the words don't describe anything very well. No. And people just get... People get hung up in arguments over, like... Fucking... Hyper... Like, super simplified terms. Yeah. And it's one of the most effective things I guess I've learned in the last month of all the drama in my personal life is just when somebody says something, I hate capitalism. Okay. Define that. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? Define capitalism. Define what you hate. And what I break that down for me. And then you can have an intelligent discussion, but nobody goes that fucking far. Like now you fucking call me. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, define that. Yeah. Define commie. And how am Pe I that? People are always just like, I hate communism and then describe capitalism. Right. So it's like or fascism, but typically. when I was a political protester, I was, I was just had a lot of displaced rage. Yeah. And then when I became interested in like, business, so I will say that I think MLM attracts people with a certain mindset. And you know, what's funny is that everyone I knew from back then, like probably a two dozen people that were in, interested in MLM, either half of them are still doing MLM at 35 now. And it's like getting creepy. And they're not it's making like, any money. Bro, start a family. Yeah. <laughs> um, no more Sigma grind set for or you. Or the other half are wildly successful. Yeah. Like 
entirely outside of and i won't name any of them because i i think some of them don't want to be associated with uh doing mlms uh, in the past but like one of them that you've met has like 200 rental units yeah right uh one of them that you meant ha- ha- met has a um very successful commercial hvac business yeah right um and like with employees and you know like and and just like oh yeah twenty thousand dollar for a couple hours of my time to install a fucking furnace yeah. on a mall right like shit like that um you know and and some of them are are wildly successful and then some of them i still get facebook messages from every so often being like hey bro i know you're busy and everything but can you take a look at this website of it? you know and it's just like you know it's it just it is what it is like and, and it's like I, i've said this before what i'm about to say and pissed a lot of people off but i think you're not there's a difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur and i think before you're incorporated and before you have your first employee you're not a business owner. Sure. You're just... But you could be an entrepreneur without those things. Yeah. But, I, but, but you know, people that have an MLM company or like are a rep for an MLM company have intra- entrepreneur and business owner in their, in their bio. Show me the share certificate. Like, you're a glorified fucking sales rep, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I... I so, I don't know. That's That's kind of like an offensive line. I don't like to be that... Anyone who's trying in business, I respect. Also, I wouldn't say glorified sales rep. I'd say you're a tick below a sales rep. <laughs> well, because sales sales reps typically get uh, minimum wage plus commissions. You're treated better as an employee <laughs> and a sales rep yeah. than as an MLM yeah. representative. Like employees get, yeah, like you said, they get benefits, they get support, they get, um, they get an infrastructure to work with, they get an office, they get resources the infrastructure is the assistance they get free training they get all these things but instead of like when you get into big companies especially like amway you don't get like you don't get the you don't get training you don't get resources you have to pay for all that shit because the people that you're paying for seminars and for trainings and for all this stuff newsflash there's more money in the training and recruitment than there is in the products so if you are paying money into that, you are you're paying into the primary economy of this business, which is training new dummies. Well, and your um, they always have their conventions twice a year. Exactly. You know, you fly out there, and, you and they're very exciting. Spend. They're very fun. They make you feel like you've and like, and, and then it's, they it's set like, up merch tables. Yeah, and they it, sell you merch for your own company. Right. No, the best. You part, know what I do to my employees? I give them merch. 100%. Because they work for me. You know who else I give merch to? Literally anybody I work with. (laughs) Yeah. Literally everybody and anybody. I'm like, you want a shirt? You want a shirt? You want a shirt? You want a sweater? You want a hat? And you just get free shit from everybody. Like all the contractors I work with, I was talking to this guy today, and I'm like, oh, you got DTL on your back. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You work with DTL? I'm like, they're like in the next province over, and they just like build nice cabins, and we just, whatever. We just both wear their shit. And it's it's like a free $200 jacket. It's like, yeah, here you go, bud. Thanks, thanks for your time oh, yeah. today. Dude, the amount of hats we have in the winery that are from, like, our grain supplier and, like, all this shit, like, it's just... Yeah, yeah. so if you're not getting that, it's a fucking scam. <laughs> but my favorite part about the seminars is it's gaslighting at an industrial scale. Where it's, you like, if business-fied you... gaslighting. Yeah, if you only work harder, you could achieve this. Like, they'll... They'll cruise the, you know, top 1% guy across the stage and look, oh, he made $175,000 this week. And if you only just like tried a little bit harder, 
and like use these uh, script lines and like maybe well, a few more phone calls, you could do this too. Remember, like, but in reality, that guy probably was either offered his position paid for halfway him. through the the system. This is an established thing. Like when MLMs start up, they leave empty spots at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. For established personalities. Yeah. Which they bring in. Yeah. It's just like it's a compensation package for a brand ambassador. That's all it is. That person didn't earn their position. They earned like they were well. I'm sure they quote unquote they did earn their position because they have notoriety, they have and clout, fame, whatever they got yeah. clout. But they didn't actually. It's no different. Make than, them any sales? It's like what it's. Yeah. It becomes a. It becomes fraud because they didn't achieve that position by doing the thing that they're telling you that they did. Yeah, it's it's no different than you being offered a uh, position on a board of directors for a company you know, know nothing about just right. because you're fucking rich and famous, right? Like, right. it is what it is. It's 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 a business tactic, but that is yeah. No, I would say that if they're not well, open not, about that, it's a business tactic, but it's also like it's fraud. <laughs> well, it depends how they pitch it, right? They always pitch it wrong. I agree. Nobody pitches it honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, and I think they they're because. They all, I remember always hearing the line, like if I would be like, well, doesn't everything I do just pay the person above me? How is that on a pyramid scheme? And that the answer to that is always like, no, you can always earn more than the person that recruited you. Right. Never matters. Like as long as you put in more work and get a bigger downline, you can always make more money than the person that, um, then recruited you. But so if that's the line, if they're just plopping people in, yeah. in the top, that's not true then. Right. Like, right, it's not. And also the fact that the system that enables you to earn more than the person above you is the exact system that gamifies and effectively robs you of commissions that you've earned. Because if you don't gamify the system effectively, as, for example, if you are more effective than the person above you and you have a more balanced left-right, whatever, and that person isn't balanced left-right, that means you're being compensated for work that the person above you isn't being compensated for potentially even though you're being told within that work oh you just got to get that one person that knows a lot of people and that person's going to do a lot of work and find a lot of people which means you're you're supposed to get you're counting on getting compensated for a work that you won't do and it's also which is exactly what they're telling you isn't going to happen to you but is going to happen to the guy above you like it's just like it's this yeah. superhero complex that the second you think of, sit and think about it for a second it it's or uh, what do you call it like the main character syndrome main character syndrome yeah, yeah like you you think that you're the one that's got this shit figured out but in reality they're just gaslighting everybody down the line to believing that they're just not doing it right or they're not working hard enough they didn't make this sale like they should have yada 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 and it's not the system that's working against them it's you that are the problem which is just capitalism in a nutshell but yeah which is fine but at least when you show up at your capitalist job and get oppressed you're getting a paycheck every week and yeah. it's guaranteed right yeah there's there's better there's better and worse things of the bad thing just because something's worse doesn't make that good but yeah. <laughs> however comma so we're going to take a one last half shot here because I poured a double shot last time. So uh, on the show, if we take a shot that's under 40% alcohol, we always take a second one. But uh, as we finish up here, is there anything that we talked about in the episode that now that you're drunk, you 
coming around on. Do you yeah, like so, MLM though? <laughs> yeah, so actually, I'm I'm totally down for MLMs. <laughs> you know, let's, I think start a new one. Well, I keep saying we would be kill it as the as the grifter, but I, we just have morals, <laughs> which means it wouldn't work. Yeah, we well, you got to buy your own bullshit at a certain point, right? I couldn't do it. Yeah, couldn't go back to it. Yeah. Um, well, you've basically done it before. Yeah. Not in the same way, but like the you you sold courses. And sold franchises. The franchises I don't uh I don't mind as much. Yeah, there's I've I've been in the shades of gray of the same idea and the lessons I've learned from all of them were very similar. Yeah. But yeah, I think it all comes down to uh just because you can sell something to somebody and they're willing to pay you money for it doesn't make it an ethical transaction. That's a big lesson I learned. Nothing's ethical under capitalism. I, I wouldn't say that. That's I don't believe that, but I'm that's <laughs> that's like that's like an extreme, very like absolute well, way like, of looking at a very complex issue. Here's what I'll say. I make wine, yeah? I crush grapes and ferment them and I put them in a bottle and it tastes pretty good. I sell it to a customer and they say, What will this liquid do to me? And I say, Well, It'll taste good on your taste buds, and it'll make you a little funny and make you a little feel good. And they say, okay, that's worth my $16, and they buy it from me, right? But a lot of the time, what you're selling in these companies or like in your courses or your franchise, it's like you're selling a way for them to earn more money that has all these conditions. Yeah. That like, well, you have to do this, and you have to do this. It's like my transaction stops when they drink that wine. Like I sold them a bottle, they drink yeah. it. That's the end of the, the 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 transaction, right? And you know, sometimes we'll get complaints. Oh, I didn't like the wine, or uh, you know, that's a whole different issue. But I'm selling them a product that does what I advertise. You're not selling them a product that's like, okay, if you buy this product, you're going to be it, rich. No, no. If you buy this product, it's going to be amazing. It'll be the best product you ever had. And you know what? Also, if you have the right mindset, this product will set you free. And if you Actually, if you wake up early enough and you work out enough and you eat healthy enough, this product will not only make you happy and set you free, but also you could build a legacy for your family. Yeah. But if you mistreat this product, it's your fault. And if you don't have a good legacy for your family and you're not successful, it's also really your fault because if, there's nothing wrong with the product. It's just you. Cause you just my, have to try harder. Like If my customer had a bad mindset and drank the wine... And didn't like the wine. Or, like, didn't get drunk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like... If you didn't have a good time, obviously you didn't buy enough wine. Yeah, what I'm advertising to you is exactly what you're getting. But what I'm trying to say is, like, when you're advertising a course or a franchise or whatever, it's like there's so many more steps in the transaction that it becomes, like, the more steps in the transaction, the sketchier it gets as a transaction. Yeah. Well, absolutely. cheers to that. general red flag for me (laughs) is if you say I guess this is a little bit different with retail maybe this is a bad premise I was just going to say if you if you find yourself saying yes to every sale or yes to every inquiry uh, there might be something wrong with your business model but I guess retail is different no but here I'll, I'll bring it around and give you a good example though in my business we get asked to go to events constantly. 
Right. Okay. All the time. Yeah. Can we sample at my wedding? Can you sample at my, I'm having a fucking, I got one today from, um, I don't want to be too specific because I don't want to like no disrespect to them, but I'm not going to go to your fucking event. They were like, come to the Melville. Maybe I should have made up a name, but now I said it. So it's too late, but come to the Melville spirits and wine sampling or whatever. Right. So I Google Melville, Manitoba. Can't find anything. I'm like, what? And then I look at the email and it's like Melville, whatever dot Sasktel dot CA. Oh, and I'm like, oh no. And so is this podunk town in Saskatchewan. they like their chamber of commerce wanted me to come to this event. And like, thanks for asking. Um, I can't transport liquor over provincial borders legally for the purpose of events. So I can't come, but honestly, I wasn't going to, even if I could <laughs> legally. But so here's the thing. First two years of my operation, I said yes to every single event, every and, single email. And for reference, this would have been no less than five S- hours of driving. Probably five hours of driving. Yeah. One way. Minimum. One way. Yeah. No, there's no way it would have been worth it. But we, um, the first two years, every single email that came in the inbox, I said yes to every single one. Right. Which ended and ended up me doing weird goddamn events, which got me a good and bad reputation in the industry. The people that respect me in the industry were like, I saw you everywhere. Right. You just showed up. Like some of the best friends I made in the industry were just like, I had respect for you because you just showed the fuck up. And this is before I had employees. I just did it all myself every day. Yeah. Weird goddamn events. I went to an owl breeding place to sample that one time. And I have a picture, really cool picture of Bijou. I remember his name is barn owl on top of one of my bottles. That was cool. Yeah, no, this, I've gone to weird goddamn events. And, uh, but now I'm very choosy of what I do and it needs to be worth it for us in less of an esoteric way. Right. And so I'm pick and choose what I do, but you know, an MLM, there's no, okay. Good example is in a franchise, I'm trying to buy a McDonald's and open a McDonald's. They look at my, they say, show me that you have $2 million in your bank account right now. And if I can't show them, they tell me to fuck off. Yep. Or you try to, oh yeah, you try to open a Subway restaurant. It's like, you have to make a hundred thousand a year personally, hundred thousand dollars a year personally, or they won't let you have it. Right. Because if it goes bad, you need to be able to keep it going. Right. And also I think you're, yeah, you're expected to, um, I know this is a certain franchises. They won't let you like work a certain amount. Like you it, personally. Yeah. That's interesting because I heard that if you, if you are expecting to run this business on your own, it's yeah. not going to be successful. Okay. You need to have the money and the resources to be able to fund this business. If you yourself are dependent on the results of it it's not going to be successful because it's like, we know it's going to take 18 to 24 months to become whatever profitable. And if you're fully dependent on the income of the business, it's It's going to drive you into debt. Yeah. So either you need to have a lot of cash in order to allow that to happen, or you need to have fully independent resources that are adequate to support yourself and the business can support itself because business cannot support itself and you. So that's called, called qualifying your customers. Right. And, uh, and MLM does not do that. No, because it'll say yes to everyone. Yeah. And everyone that, that can pay, pay the amount. And that's a red flag Yeah. because you're, well, I, I that what I'm about to say is alleged. I think that companies are reps for companies are taught to just 
get anyone they can. Like, even if they know they're not going to be successful in it, yeah. you're not supposed to tell them, you know what, I don't think this is for you. Right. You're supposed to tell them, no, 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 get in. We'll make it work. So the only time I've ever been taught that in a job where you have to tell someone this isn't for you is it's a reverse psychology tactic <laughs> in order to make someone feel as if they're inadequate to the extent that they feel that they need to purchase your product in order to become fully adequate yeah, yeah. once again to become whole. And that's like, that was the, that was like for years of my life, like I'm, I'm, it may sound like I'm saying this like offhand, but for years of my life, I dealt with this moral internal battle of like, if I can sell this to someone, even though that I don't think maybe they need it or that they, they say that they don't need it, but I sell it to them anyways, because my powers of persuasion are stronger than their powers of resistance and they purchase it and it goes poorly for them, it's their fault because they have the right resources. They chose to not follow through and do the right thing for themselves. That's That was my justification myself. Not you sold something to someone that shouldn't have purchased it <laughs> yeah, yeah. or you, you had no business using psychological manip manipulation and gaslighting in order to get somebody to lay out their life savings in a vulnerable situation to fuck themselves over like no that's their fault that's not my fault yeah if your failure rate is anywhere near half maybe you're the one that's in the wrong well how many mcdonald's franchises fail not many yeah but the bar is really fucking high to qualify to yeah, the yeah the denial yeah. rate is way higher than oh. the acceptance rate if you're in a high pressure sales job where you have to convert like what, what i was always taught about is like the bell curve of sales yeah where there's like on the left is like the super uh, qualified and resistant and on the right is like super unqualified and resistant. And then in the middle is like the easy sales and the easy sales are the absolute minimum. That's like 5%. And then as it falls off to the left and the right, it gets harder and harder and harder. And if your job as a salesperson is to convert people that are extremely hard to convert like the the more hardcore your sales training is the more of a red flag honestly it should show yeah well because i don't have to i just pop up a tent and people come over to me to buy my shit you don't need nlp to sell your shit no people walk over to my fucking i open my i flip my open sign on my store and people are sitting on my porch waiting to buy my shit right like i don't i use nlp in my day-to-day -day job to make my life easier which for the listeners at home? Neurolinguistic programming. It's like suggestive language. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like giving the answers in your statements and questions. I don't know. Look into it. Fuck, Which fuck Google it for yourself. You but. could. I've heard people argue that that is psychological manipulation. <laughs> what isn't? Good, fair point. But me using NLP to help a homeowner not freak out yeah, because yeah. you know what homeowners do? They freak out all the time. <laughs> it's like people having weddings. They lose their goddamn minds because they there's like there's so much pressure and anxiety around this moment and this thing that they cannot function properly. Me using my powers of persuasion to either convince someone to do something or not to do something and it's because of my, I'm I'm in a very limited scope. It's like I'm usually trying to convince them to do the thing that's either the right thing or the wrong thing and my genuine opinion as like an expert 
So and it's like they've got a stupid opinion and I got to work them out of it or they, they're freaked out about something that's not a big deal and I got to talk them out of it and I'll use my powers of persuasion for that. Like, that's fine. It's good at being good at... There's nothing wrong with being good at your job. But if I was using that to sell them something that they're in, certainly going to regret in six months... Well, so here maybe here's another litmus test as well. After you deal with customers being difficult, do they thank you after the work's done? Always. Right? And same with me. Do you get the reference? Yes. Yeah. Same with me, right? Like, yeah, and... I just, I manhandled this client <clears throat> recently. Yeah. Like really, di really difficult person. And I was like super assertive. Um, they were being very aggressive and I just, I fucking turned on the highest level of like, I am going to play this, I'm going to play this fuck you no negotiation game with you. And I, I just played it on the hardest level that I could. And at the end of it, they're like, you know, we're so happy with everything you did. Like, we're, we're, you know, honestly, I'm like, th we're impressed. We've been telling all our friends about it. Like, they were like at peace at the end of it, and they were happy. But in the middle, they're fucking crazy people because they just, for one, were spending this crazy amount of money to get what they wanted, and number two, they're used to getting what they wanted, so they'll just do anything to get it, and. Yeah, I know. I just handled the situation in a way that allowed the right outcome to happen. But I could have also used that to rob them blind. It's like yeah. the tools are not the problem. It's what the fuck you're using it so for. What you're saying is NLP doesn't kill people. Guns kill Oh, wait. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, long story short, that's basically it. Like, I guess like I always talk about the Carney method of uh of business where you um if you have to pick up and move your business model mm. or you have to uh, like every three months you have to pick up and leave where people don't know you anymore or a big one for businesses is uh, you have to change your branding right happens in nightclubs all the time one person gets roofied and it gets in the news or one person gets shot you know they change their fucking name but it's the same ownership seminars as well if you have to keep changing your business name <laughs> probably not uh Carney method, I call it. Same goes for MLM <clears throat> representatives. That's which yep. companies. Occasionally, people find a fit that fits. Yeah, good for you. You sell a good product. People want to buy. Fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm all for. I'm not gonna hate anyone's hustle. I'm all for being a rep of a company that sells products that people want to buy and are willing to pay the prices that they ask. I'm just insulted when people call those people business owners. Yeah. As a business owner. Yeah. And I also, yeah, running a business ain't that because I'm also like kind of on the train of like in my, my famous dupers and dupies belief system. Like if someone consents to buying something, fuck off. Right. Yeah. And, and especially if like, I, I know your people are manipulated and tricked and whatnot, but like, if you honestly think you be, can become a business owner and be rich by buying, it's like, it's a fucking tough, like, did you think it would be easy? Maybe it, you were sold that it was easy, but it's tough. Like, I don't know who anyone or I don't know why anyone would be like, I'm going to start this business for, you know, 60, 642.99 to buy my, uh, my silver level builder pack, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to start this business and it's going to be so easy. Like, fuck off. Starting a business isn't easy. And if that's how MLM's framing it it's easy that's a red flag right because everyone i think most people know businesses aren't easy to do that's why people don't do them 
But people also have the main character syndrome where they think they found something that's special. Yeah. And they're different. Everyone else just wasn't. And it's it's usually the people that are learning about and money, money for the first time, the reality of money, the reality of politics, the reality of whatever. When I guess it was like... And everything, there's all this newness and you feel like you have an inside edge. Yeah. Just because it's new. When I, I guess I'm thankful in a way that I was 15 years old when I started meeting these people. Right. So I had time, by the time I was 18, I had grown out of it. Right. And been like, I should start an actual business. Well, but what if you find that when you're 35? That's what I mean. Is like Your uh, growth rate's a lot slower. Yeah. And your ability to admit that you're wrong maybe never developed. <laughs> And that's really what a lot of this goes into. It's it's the sunk cost fallacy. People, especially yeah. with an MLM, people will sink all of their social capital and social equity into doing something like this. And if they admit to themselves that they were wrong, that they were wrong, that all everything in their mind, everything's gonna blow up in your face. There's that Herbalife documentary right. where they just open their garage and it's just filled with fucking Herbalife products. Yeah, and they're like, I've spent so much money. That I can't just stop. Right. Like, and, and then, yeah, that's the thing too, is like you convince your friends and family to get involved and then your parents or your, your, your husband or whoever calls you a fucking idiot and you have to argue with them and convince them that you're doing something right. Right. right? Because you convince, that's the, that's the bastard of it. You convince enough people around you that everyone knows and that you, you got a, a lot of people committed yeah. and invested that it really matters, but not enough that you can make a business out of it. Yeah. They're not buying your shit. So. Well, even if they are all buying your shit, yeah, yeah. it equals $300 a month. Yeah. And I guess like, and everyone's bought in and so are you, Yeah, but it's not enough. And all you got to do is double down or admit that you're wrong. You're not going to admit that you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Cause then everything you have, it goes away. Yeah. Well, and then you you lose your credibility, and you, right. you know you lose respect of people, and et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, incre well, it's incredible. And for a lot of these, it's incredibly people, fucking devious. I know. I, I was I forget what it's called, but there's this Herbalife documentary I watched relative a couple years ago, like during COVID, um, the COVID lockdown part where you were just watching Netflix. <laughs> right. Um, and I remember they were saying it's like. Is it over? COVID lockdowns. We yeah. haven't left. <laughs> the Netflix part. Um. Yeah, because I can't use my mom's account anymore. So, <laughs> can you um, imagine if they did that during lockdown? Well, we would there would have been riots. Yeah. So there would have been riots. Um, but th I remember this one woman was saying like, all my friends are now are Herbalife distributors. Yeah, and if I leave, I have no friends anymore. Right, like I've cut off everyone in my life because they're fucking. They're telling me they're negative fucking people, and I should just hang out with these people. So it's like a cult in a lot of ways. It's like being a cop. Oh, no. <laughs> Literally, they tell you that in the police academy. All your friends will be cops. All your friends should be cops because if they're not cops, they won't understand you. And then if you ever want to stand against the culture, if you want to stand against the institution, not only do you lose your job, you lose everything. Yeah. You lose your identity. You lose your community. You lose respect. You lose years of your life. And then you get prosecuted 
all of that. And I also like, I think that's why a lot of MLM people, if they quit their MLM, they jump to another one right? because they just spent years saying, you fucking brokies have a job, <laughs> you know, jobs are scams. This is the new way that people are advertising. Companies are advertising. It's like jumping out of a Southern Baptist call, uh, Kurt, Kurt, I'm getting dr- a little, little drunky boo. Um, <laughs> it's like dr- jumping out of a Southern Baptist church into a hippie cult. Yeah. But you like, yeah. Cause the problem is a lot of these MLM people and I knew them would basically anyone with a job you would call, like deceive like part of the matrix and deceived and yeah. you know idiots and they're like they haven't woken up yet and then it's like for you to go get a job after that right it's in it's insulting right yeah um well i remember it's it's really fucking genius marketing is what it i have is. a i have a brochure i remember from somewhere that's this quote from this guy that says uh oh it's bob proctor he was like a kind I of love bob proctor. yeah i have a book signed by him is he all right like is it was he a grifter he's dead now but he was he a grifter or was um, he like actually he's just a motivational speaker type i think he's a motivational speaker that worked primarily with grifters yeah so he had a quote that was like um so call what you want i work full-time on my job and part-time on my fortune right and that's what mlm people always said to say if they're like well why do you still have a job right if you're making so much money with this I work full time on my job and part time on my fortune. That sounds like uh, not Bob Proctor. It was Bob Proctor. I 100%. I could hear his voice in my head. I can hear the voice too, but I thought it was the guy before him. It was the guy. Jim Rohn? Jim Rohn. That's what I'm thinking of. Jim Rohn. I think it was Jim Rohn. Was it Bob Proctor quoting Jim Rohn? Probably. Okay. Rohn was the. I have a Jim Rohn book. OG. Yeah, he was good. He's good shit. But. Yeah phenomenal propagandist <laughs> he could have been a nazi <laughs> i have no- <laughs> all I have, of these guys i have nothing to substantiate that but just like based on the timeline when they were alive <laughs> yeah probably um we're gonna end it on that note i think i think like the 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 main now that i'm drunk is though like i think we should go and and join herbalife no you know what we should find they're actually i was just gonna make a joke and say we should join a liquor one uh there actually is that's called uh Direct Sellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S. Wow. And they sell wine. Love it. Yeah, and it's illegal in Canada. Perfect. And uh, this guy was trying to get me. He's like, you love wine. You should get on this thing. And it's it's not legal here. But And you're like, I have more wine than I could ever want. We, that's what I was saying. So that's dumb. But it's good because you, it's like a wine club, but an MOM. Basically, essentially, that's your auto ship is your wine club shipment. I can get on board with that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so let's join the wine club MLM. It's like product loading um, is just now alcoholism. If you want to dro- join a wine club that's not an MLM, shrug.com slash club, you can join our wine club. You get uh, exclusive and small batch wines from Winnipeg's only winery. That's shrug.com slash club for more information. And no extra sales, salesman commissions and markups. Uh, just you'll just be paying just government markups. You'll just be paying for my rent. I really appreciate that. Um, this has been episode one hundred four of Alcohol Beyond This Point. This is Willows. That is me. And this is Tyler. We we finally discussed fucking MLMs on one hundred four. Yeah, we've been flirting this one for a while. We've been we have. There's way more I want to get into, but. Uh, 
this is uh, something near and dear to our hearts. So we will see you next time when we listen to a Larry. The tomato? <laughs> no, Larry the cucumber. Bob's the tomato. Bob the tomato. Alcohol Beyond This Point podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast.